Good morning. So thankful for our team, aren't you? They just... Thankful that they lead us to this beautiful place of seeking and knowing the Lord through worship. It's so, so special. This is um, uh, so glad to have you with us this morning in our Galatians series. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here at South City. You know, every week we, um, we don't celebrate it. We acknowledge it. We uh, remember 9-11. Every year that this comes around this week, we've remembered, um, I don't know about you, for my generation, this is the one main event that, that we can go right back to it, you know, in your mind. Every year, you go right back to where you were and, and what you felt and, and all the things that were going on in your heart. And then every year, we, we, hear these, we see these stories and we see these images and, and all those feelings start coming back up in our hearts from 9-11. You know, some of the things that I remember about that event were obviously we, we, there was a connectedness to the country that was good. But there was also sort of a sense of uh, collective anger. You remember that? People were rushing to the armed forces to fight and uh, get revenge. There was a collective anger. There was also a collective fear in our country for terrorism, uh, naturally, right? Um, I think there was a collective apprehension for Muslims across the board. I heard, I heard recently uh, of a... Um, a young man who was part of the terrorist group ISIS. They called him a prince of ISIS. You might have seen it on social media. But he, uh, he was searching through the Quran and trying to find truth, trying to find peace in his heart. It, it, what is true about what this says? And he couldn't find it in the Quran. So he had heard about this uh, group that evangelizes Muslims in the Middle East. He reaches out. They meet. He literally says in his interview, I thought I might kill this man. And so they meet, they meet several times. At some point, he just walks away. He's confused, but he comes back. He ends up believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus with his, his whole heart, his whole life. And, and he begins to, to help and serve. And, you know, I just started thinking that, you know, between 9-11, between stories like that, you know, sometimes, sometimes as believers, we can go, I, I, I want people to come to know the Lord, but it, it's hard sometimes with certain groups. That's exactly what Jonah felt, right? Jonah had been swallowed by a whale, and when he spit up by the whale, and God says, go to Nineveh, and this time he's going to go to Nineveh, but he's not happy about it. He says, God, I know that when they repent, you're going to relent. <laughs> they're going to repent, and you're going to relent, and you're going to forgive them, and I'm not happy about it. You know, sometimes we act that way, too. Can you imagine... Back in that day, in the last three or four years, maybe two years after 9-11, if, if Osama bin Laden uh, had come to know Christ and was now in the United States doing uh, revivals, it's, it's hard to fathom, isn't it? Like, whoa, what? You can't, like, you can't even, how dare you even say that? But listen, that's what the Apostle Paul was to the church. The Apostle Paul was a terrorist of the church. He murdered people. He dragged men and women from their homes. And not just that, he was trying to stamp out the gospel of Jesus. He was trying to destroy the church. But the good news in his life and the good news in our lives is that no matter who we've been and what we've done, God can change anybody, can't he? He can change any soul. 
No matter what path you've walked, no matter what you've been through, he can change your heart. And when he does, it becomes your testimony. And this morning in our text in Galatians, we get to see Paul share his testimony. We get to hear about who he was and yet what God has been preparing for him for all his entire life. He's going to show us this morning the goal of what it means to be a believer in Christ. Last week we talked about the fact that he's written to this group of people that he had evangelized, that he had uh, done this first missionary journey to, and the second, and, and the third in ways. But uh, he's writing after this first missionary journey, and he's trying to say to them, uh, listen, why are you believing something else? And there's some scandal in the church about whether he has the authority to speak this gospel. And whose gospel is this? And there's some questions. And so Paul speaks over them in this first letter, grace and peace. And, and I'm a capital A authority. I'm a capital A apostle who's been sent by Jesus. That's what apostle means, someone who's been sent. Capital A apostle is someone who's been sent by Jesus, not just the church. Paul's saying, I have this authority. And he just reminds them of the beautiful grace and story in the gospel of Jesus. And then towards the end of our text last week, he says, listen, it's my heart, it's my desire, it's my life that I would have God's approval over man's approval, right? And that's what we need to be seeking, God's approval over man's approval. And he's still in some ways still trying to prove who he is and the fact that he has a right to speak into these people. And he speaks with love. Would you look in our text with me this morning, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24, when he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem uh, to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Would you pray with me this morning? Oh God, thank you for your word. God, it is life to us. I thank you for this story, and I thank you for the beautiful truth that you can change anybody. You can take the worst sinner and turn his life around 180 and yet use parts of his life, God, that you have even designed for your glory, and you do that in us. Lord, I pray that you help us to glean everything you want us to see in this text today by your grace, that your spirit would lead us into all truth. And God, in this moment, that you would anoint and help me to communicate your heart and your message from your word by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 
First thing I want you to see is Paul says, guys, I want you to know, he says, he says brothers, he calls them brothers. Now, the reason Paul calls them brothers is because he, he's saying, listen, you're the people that I evangelized first. He's speaking to who he believes are the church. These are the people that came to know Christ on his first missionary journey. Yeah, there's been some scandal. Yes, there's been some drama, but brothers, hear me about this gospel, this all-important gospel. It's so important that you know, I didn't come up with this, and I didn't learn this from somebody else, right? It's been revealed to me. That's the first note on your card this morning, the revelation. It says in verse 11, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, not this man's gospel or any man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. I didn't make it up. I didn't learn it. I learned it only by revelation through a resurrected Jesus. He revealed himself to me, taught me uh, of this truth. I started thinking this week, wouldn't it be, uh, and it's happened before, right? People show up sometimes out of nowhere and they say they are Jesus. Or they say they have a, a revelation from Jesus. You know, people say that all the time. And that there was probably some sort of sense of crazy even back in that time period, right? Even back in that early church when Paul's doing his missionary journey. So that's why the Judaizers going, hey, why can we trust this guy? Right? He wasn't with Jesus. And yet Paul says, no, but he came to be with me. He revealed himself to me. If somebody came up today and said they, they had a special message, a revelation from Jesus, we would look at them, number one, like they're crazy, right? Number two, you might say, okay, okay, okay. Let's just, for instance, say that's true. Um, prove it. I mean, wouldn't we? We would say, prove it. And what's so interesting about the Apostle Paul is, that's what he spent the rest of his life doing. And it's not a bad idea for it to be a measure of judgment for us, for anybody that would say such a thing. Any gospel, any message, any book that you would read, any story that you would watch, let's filter it maybe even by, by what we see in Paul. What do we see in Paul? Paul proved it. Number one, his preaching and his writing all aligned with Scripture. That's the first thing we have to see. When you read something, when you go to another church, when you hear some preacher on, online or on TV, does his message align with Scripture? Is it the same? Is it another gospel? Paul warned us last week of this other gospel that says you have to earn part of your salvation. Right? Jesus has done his part. Now you bring your part. No, 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 no. That's not the gospel. Paul says that's another gospel. Right? Everything Paul said aligned with Scripture. He had spent his whole life studying the Old Testament. Right? Learning. Under Gamaliel, this is a, a very important teacher in Jerusalem. And, and so when God changed Saul's heart, Paul's heart, he, he brought a whole wealth of understanding of Scripture now that he could make sense of this Messiah. Here's the second thing uh, that we need to see in people who proclaim truth. He wasn't self-seeking. Right? If anybody says that they have some special message, it's usually for a book deal right? A tour that they're going to speak on, a movie deal, right? Uh, some type of interview coverage, TV coverage. I mean, isn't that what we see? They just conveniently have a television crew that just happens to follow them around in their ministry. It's amazing, the coincidence. Not Paul. Paul is not self-seeking. He's, he's 
he's, he's going against himself in a sense. He's self-deprecating, if you will. He says, I'm the chief of all sinners. That's not a, good, that's not a great way to, to produce, you know, promote yourself. He says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And I, I can't seem to do the things that I do want to do. It's because he's not self-seeking. He was seeking the fame of Jesus, not his fame. Clearly, the third thing is he was blessed of God. God blessed his ministry. God blessed his message. Well, in the same way he blessed other apostles, right? Jesus is resurrected, sends back into heaven. Uh, James, John, Peter, they're, they're preaching this message around Jerusalem. And God is blessing this message with great miracles. And people are rushing to the church. The church is blowing up. It's expanding so fast because these miracles are accompanying the message. It's like the Holy Spirit is saying, God is for this movement. God approves of what's being said here. And so because we want to prove that to you, I'm going to let these miracles happen to show you that we are with this message. The same thing happened in Paul's ministry. Paul had miraculous things happen, showing that God was with Paul's message. Clearly, people were coming to Christ. Clearly, the church was growing around the world, and Paul was planting churches. God blessed Paul's work. It's proof. This last thing that I'm going to mention is, is maybe one of the most compelling, that Paul had seen a resurrected Jesus. He spent the rest of his life going through unbelievable suffering. I mean, when, when, when you take a job nowadays, right, it's kind of like, well, what does it pay? What are the benefits? How far is the drive? Is it something I can stay in my energy zone and enjoy? Right? It's true. This wasn't a job for Paul. This was everything. This was his life. This was his passion. And ultimately, he would give his life to continue to prove it. Look, look what he says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23 about some of the things he was willing to walk through and some of the things he did walk through. He says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Verse 24 says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. You see, in Jewish law, they could give you this punishment, this flogging, these 40 lashes less one. See, in the law, it said if you give a man 40 lashes, it might kill him. So let's take one away. So we'll give him 39 lashings. Paul received that, he says, five times. Can you imagine the scar tissue on his back? Five times he went through that at the hands of the Jews. 25 says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We studied about that this summer when he was in Lystra. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea. All I can think about is Shark Week when I read that verse would not be a fun thing to do. Verse 26, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from the other things, there was a daily pressure on me of anxiety for all the churches. But we say... Is it raining this morning? I think I'm going to skip church. Right? Is it a game weekend? 
Paul clearly proves his commitment to the gospel. Clearly he was revealed this resurrected Jesus and this message and this mission. And he will spend the rest of his life through all of those things, through all this trouble and persecution to prove it and to preach it. First thing on your card is the revelation. The second thing is the testimony. Verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Paul's reminding the Galatians, don't you remember the story I told you about myself? I've not always been this, this guy so nice and clean cut and, and generous, right? It's not always been me. Don't you remember the story? I, I killed people. I was a murderer. I dragged people from their homes with the approval of the Jews, of the Pharisees. This is who I was. And not only that, I tried to stamp out Christianity. Do you realize that Saul was the early church's greatest threat? He was a terrorist, and he was the greatest threat to the church, and all he wanted to do was stop it. Paul's trying to remind them of his story, of who he's been, what he's done. He mentions the fact that he was competitive, right? He was advancing beyond others in the traditions of his father. He was so uh, interested in advancing that he was willing to go outside obedience of that law that he was supposedly upholding. Right? You're not supposed to kill people in Judaism. And somehow he overlooked that point so that he could advance. Don't we do that sometimes? We forget what matters most so we can have our way and do what we want. But something happens in Saul's life. Something unbelievable. Look with me, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's, Christ, that's Christianity, that's what they called it, the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Don't you know in that moment, his mind was blown. His world was rocked. He would never be the same again. This Messiah that he studied about every Sabbath, every time he was in the synagogue and, and read about and was hopeful for, he missed and now this Messiah has shown up in bright light and glory, blinding him, scales over his eyes. He can't see, and his world would be rocked. See, Paul was leading. He was zealous. He was religious, and somehow he didn't know God. Right? He, he's leading in this, and yet he didn't know God, and he didn't recognize the Messiah until the Messiah showed up to him. It's amazing how much damage can be done to Christ's message and mission when we're worried more about tradition and religion, proclaiming tradition, protecting tradition instead of pro proclaiming the gospel. 
You know, Jesus shows up to Paul and it changes his life forever, right? And we know that it changes his life. How do we know? Because he's willing to walk through these things. He's willing to take this message from day one. This is a difficult journey. Every place he goes, he's wanted. He's wanted to be killed. That wouldn't be fun, would it? <laughs> Think about us. We go to so many different restaurants. If every restaurant you went to, somebody tried to kill you, that would not make for a very enjoyable meal, would it? And yet everywhere we see Paul go, he's wanted. They want to kill him. But there's no doubt that Paul was changed. Right? When you look at his life, when you look at all the things we see in the book of Acts, there's no question God changed him from that point on. That's what ought to happen to us. In fact, it's our first core value at South City. Transformational, transformative discipleship. At South City, we want to say, listen, if we're going to be Christ followers, we just don't want to say it. We want to prove it with how we live. We want people to be able to look at our lives and go, that's not the same guy. I knew him back then. I knew the way he lived. I knew the things he said. I knew where he spent his money. I, I knew what, what his priority was. It's different now. Paul, there's no question you look at Paul's life and you go, night and day. Lost and found, dead and alive. And that's what people ought to see in your life. Transformation. Because if you just say you've known Jesus and they've never seen a change, something's not right. God ought to change your heart. It ought to change your life. It ought to be so transformative that people are like, whoa. Right? And it ought to continue to move away from the darkness towards the light. It ought to continue to move away from a life without Christ to a life with Jesus, becoming authentic disciples. Paul's saying, look at me. Look what God has done in me. He gives his testimony and even says, it goes beyond just a choice, right? Actually, God's been doing something in my life for a long time. Tim Keller says, God had been shaping and preparing Paul all his life for the things he was going to call him to do. This is the way Paul says it in the destiny on your card. Verse 15, he says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Paul's saying, I didn't come up with this gospel. In fact, I can tell you I didn't come up with this gospel because it's been forming me. How can I come up with something that's been forming me my whole life? God has set me apart. He's been designing around me, preparing me for this moment. Even when Paul was sinful and murderous in the broken parts of his life, Paul says, God called me by his grace. And Paul says, this is the purpose of my life. This is why I was created. This is the purpose of my life. I say it all the time. I say, if, if there's breath in, in your lungs, there's a purpose for your life. And Paul says, this is the purpose of my life, to preach the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles. And I'm not looking for man's approval. I'm not looking uh, for that. I want God's approval only. 
Paul didn't have any question about what he was supposed to do. Kim led us this morning in a song, I know who I am, right? I know who I am. Paul had no question. It wasn't kind of like, I think I'm supposed to preach to the Gentiles. What do you guys think? Right? Let me go to somebody I really respect. That's not what Paul was saying. Paul had no question. He had no doubt what his role was, what his purpose was, what he was intended to do with his life. He says, I didn't consult anyone. Why would I? Consult with someone when I've met with Jesus, the King of glory? Oh, I didn't go up to Jerusalem. I didn't consult with those apostles. They're really the leaders of the church. That's really maybe who you should talk. What? Why would I? Because I've spoken with the founder of the church, the king of the church, the chief pastor of the church. I've, I've met with him. I don't have to meet with anyone else. He's given me my marching orders and I move on. But what's interesting is God, God does give Paul a season of preparation. I'm so thankful for the way the Lord does this. Listen, God will never call you to something that he doesn't prepare you for. He will never call you to do something for him that he doesn't equip and prepare you for. And I am a testimony of that truth. I believe it with all my heart. He uses the circumstances of your life. Sometimes you think it's just hit or miss. I wonder what today's going to be like. It has no meaning. Friends, everything has meaning. Every day has meaning. Every broken heart, every tear that falls from your eye has meaning. And God wants to use that meaning for his glory. Every brokenness. Some of you are walking through relational brokenness. I'm so sorry. Some of you are walking through financial brokenness, spiritual questions and doubt, loneliness, sadness, depression, addiction. I'm so sorry. But I want you to know that God is with you, that he loves you, and that he wants to use everything in your life for his glory if you'll allow it. Isn't that what Romans 8, 28 says? It says, in all things, God works for the good of those who what? Love him and are what? Called according to his purpose. If you love God, if you know God and you love God and he has called you to his purpose, then he's going to work things out for your good. He's going to be working on your behalf for his glory. That's what he does. It says, I went away into Arabia, and I returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him two weeks for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. The Bible tells us in Acts 9 that right after Paul has been blinded, he goes uh, to a home. He's got these scales over his eyes. Jesus tells Ananias to go pray over Paul. Remember, Ananias goes and prays over Paul, the terrorist. He wasn't so happy about that either. Remember, he was, fright he was frightened and fearful of doing that, but he prays over him. Scales fall from his eyes. Paul's baptized. It says Paul immediately begins to go preach in the synagogue after a few days. Paul's going, I get it now. All this scripture that I've, given, that I've given my life to, that I've been immersed in from the day I was born, now all makes sense. Jesus, Messiah, name above all names. I get it now. 
but he was prepared. He says he goes into Arabia and spends time in Arabia and Damascus. We don't know how much time in Arabia and how much time in Damascus, three years total. But what's interesting is he is prepared. One uh, theologian said, you know, the other apostles were with Jesus preparing for ministry for how long? Three years. That maybe Paul's time in Arabia was his three-year preparation, studying Scripture, praying, seeking the Lord. I don't know. But he was prepared, and God will never call you to something that he won't equip and prepare you for. So Paul, man, he can't go anywhere. (laughs) He can't go anywhere. He's in Damascus. He's preaching the gospel of Jesus in the synagogues, and people want to kill him. They want him dead. So he has to—it's like a spy thriller— I love the book of Acts. And so Paul hides in a basket, and they take the basket to the wall at Damascus, and they let him down this basket outside the wall because guards are looking for Paul. And if they see Paul, he's a dead man. So they put him in this basket, and they lower him down in the basket. Paul goes off to Jerusalem. He wants to meet with the apostles. He wants to connect with the other apostles. But the apostles don't want to meet with him. Look with me, Acts 9, verse 26. Paul's a terrorist. They're afraid of terrorist Paul. Acts 26 says, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. He attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Right? Are you kidding me? The same guy that was standing there laughing when, when Stephen was stoned to death? Wait, you're telling me he's a preacher now? Right. Yeah, you believe that. I'll show you, see you next week. Right? They didn't believe he was a disciple, verse 27. But Barnabas, right? Always the encourager, relationship builder, peacemaker. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. So Paul goes to Jerusalem. He spends two weeks with Peter. He spends two weeks with Peter. He also sees James. But the point that I want you to see in this text from Acts is Paul's accepted by the other apostles. He's going in and out. He's preaching the same message, right? The point of this message, the point of this trip, I should say, this two weeks, is not to learn theology from Peter. You're not going to learn that in two weeks. The point of this trip is accountability and unity. We're together. I'm preaching the same message, the same grace of Jesus that saved you. Remember remember Peter, you're the one that, 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 that denied Christ three times. Oh, man, you made some big mistakes. Yeah. Well, I killed people. The same grace that saved you has saved me. And we have the same message to preach. We're together in this, right? This was, a, this was a meeting. This was a trip of accountability and unity. We are the church. We are together. We are one. And he is approved by the other apostles. You know, I thought about that and I thought about us as a church. In the fact that each believer in Christ ought to be willing to walk in that same way. Right? We ought to be able to walk in such a way that, that we want accountability and we want fellowship. And we want unity, shouldn't we? That's what we believe. As believers, we ought to be willing to come under. A little bit later, Paul's going to be pastoring the church in Antioch. And there's, this issue is going to come up. 
And Paul's going to make a journey to Jerusalem to come under these men, to submit himself under these men and their leadership and their oversight and say, help us wrestle with this. Help us figure this out. And it was a working together of accountability and unity. That's what the church ought to be. We ought to be willing to say, I invite you into my life. I invite you to to hold me accountable, to walk with me. And guess what? I do. That's what these men, we had 29 men on Friday night come to our fight night. And I'm thankful for those men. And and guys, if you didn't get to make this, we're going to do another one in uh, November 15th and encourage you to make it. Okay? It's an awesome time together. These guys were saying to each other, we need each other. We need accountability. I need somebody questioning me about my walk with Jesus. Holding me accountable, lifting me up, encouraging me, spurring one another onto love and good works. And we need unity in the church, and it doesn't happen unless we can submit one to another. Can I just say, say this, and I'll look in the camera even because we have some people watch on Facebook. If you're a believer in Jesus and you don't have a church home, you're outside the will of God. If you think you're a lone ranger and you're good just to watch a sermon online, you're good just to, to, to watch something uh, on TV. I don't have to actually be there. You are wrong. That's not church. That's a message. If you're on vacation and you're sick, you can't make it, praise God that the technology is there to bring uh, what we do to you. But we are called to walk with each other in accountability and unity, and you can't do that online. You need a family, and we say it all the time. We're a family of families. We're a family of families. You just can't be family online, right? You can, cool picture, right? Wish I was on the beach with you. But who's going to walk with you in accountability and unity? That's what God calls believers to do in the church. So this trip not only confirms uh, Paul's capital A apostleship, working in and out with them, preaching the same message, being accountable to, being in unity with, but it also confirms this message, this gospel that he's been given by a resurrected Jesus. Here's the fourth thing on your card, the obedience. The obedience. See, we all, we all have the same story. Jesus has been revealed to us. He changes us from who we were to who he wants us to be. He gives us a testimony. And we begin to find out what our purpose in life is. What's our destiny? What, God, what do, you, what do you have for me? And then hopefully we're beginning and continuing to walk in obedience to Jesus. I love this little verse uh, here, verse 21. It says, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. It's a very simple line of obedience. God says, go. Paul says, I went. Right? See, the thing that we sometimes forget about Paul and even about us is he had a choice. Jesus has revealed to him on the, on the road to Damascus. He could have chosen to say, you know, I must have eaten something wrong. I, I, something happened that was crazy, but that, uh, that, that's not God. I'm, I'm going to continue to persecute the church. And he probably would have wound up a dead man. Because that's what happens in our lives when we refuse Jesus Our lives are dead. He comes to give us life. And when we choose to not walk in obedience, we make a choice. God, I want to follow you because of your grace, your goodness, the revelation you've given me, because you want to change my life from what it's been to what you want it to be. Because there's a purpose beyond me just taking in air and taking up space. You have a purpose for my life. 
I want to be in obedience to you. Paul made a choice. Just as every one of you today make a choice in me, we make a choice to be obedient to Christ. Is your life a life of obedience? Do you walk in obedience with Jesus? Because let me tell you something that's unbelievable. If you do walk in obedience, God can use your life to bring glory to himself, even from other people. That's what we see in the text. Next thing on your card is the glory. But listen, it's not Paul's glory. He's not concerned about his glory. It's God's glory. Paul wants to make God famous, not him famous. He even says back up in verse 22, he says, I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, who, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. I was still unknown. It wasn't about me. Paul's story, Paul's testimony was so amazing that it was just kind of going around the churches. Have you heard about this guy? The guy who was our greatest threat. He was a terrorist. The guy who killed people. The guy who was trying to stop the way. He's now become, gone from persecutor to preacher to church planter. Can you believe it? The story was getting out. And he said he could show up in a church and they wouldn't even know he was the one they were hearing about. It wasn't about Paul. He knew that. It wasn't for his glory. It wasn't for his fame. It was for God's glory. Let me ask you a question. When people hear your story, are you the hero? There was a season in my life where I, every time I tried to tell some of my story, I ended up the hero. Right? But guess what? You're not the hero. And your story is not your story. It's not about you. You're a supporting character in this story. And the hero is Jesus. Paul's saying, I'm not the main character I'm supporting character. It's not my story. It's not about me. But the beautiful thing about this story is that God can save and use anybody, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, even me, even you. Paul said, and they glorified God because of me. You know what I think he said that? I don't think he said that in an arrogant way. They glorified God because of me. No, I think it was more like this. They glorified God because of me. You see the difference? Can you believe my life caused people to glorify God? How? Can I just ask you this question? Does our surrender to God, our story in God, our obedience to follow God cause other people to glorify God? Does it? When we surrender, we say we don't have to be the main character, God. I'll just follow you. I'll just be obedient to you. I'll do what you call me to do. That can cause people, other people, to glorify God. And guess what, friends? That is the goal of the life of a believer, to bring God glory, right? This is the framework of our text that Paul and we Hopefully, see and know Jesus. He has been revealed to us. This has blown my mind. This is, I guarantee it blew Paul's mind. What? 
He said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. What? You're the one persecuting me. And all of a sudden, Paul, his whole life changes. Has your whole life changed as a result of a revelation of Jesus? What's he done in your testimony? Has he caused you to be able to go, that's who I was. It's not who I am, and it's sure not who I'm going to be. That's a testimony. When God changes your past, he changes who you were and makes you who he wants you to be. And then you begin to learn about God, and you learn that, you know what, it's not just me learning about God. When we learn about God, we also learn about ourselves. And we learn that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and to walk in that purpose Ephesians 2.10 says that God has prepared good works for you. There are, there are good works that God has prepared for you to walk in. This morning I thought, it's not unlike the Easter egg hunt. You know, we do a little Easter egg hunt for our kids on Easter Sunday morning. And this is what goes down. We're, we're the parents, we're the adults. We, we place the eggs, right? All around, some of them a little more discreet. Some of them just right out in the open. Some of them under the bush. Some of them up on the thing. And then we sit back with joy, <laughs> and we watch kids go, ah, you know, and they find this, and they find that, and they discover this, and they discover that, and I think that's how God's going, oh yeah, I've got good works prepared for you. Have you found them? Have you searched for them? Do you know what they are? Do you know your purpose in life? What I've called you to, what I've prepared you for? And he has such joy when we discover it and we begin to stand up in that purpose as Paul did and say, I know my, my purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles. That's why I exist. Why do you exist? He reveals himself to us. He changes, gives us a testimony. He re we realize that we have a purpose in life. Then we begin to walk in obedience to Christ. Are you walking in obedience to Christ? Or are you just saying, uh, in this area maybe, but I'm just not there, right? Because when we do walk in obedience, when we do take it so serious that we want to please God, we want to bring him joy, then he will be glorified. Some of you say, can God really be glorified in, in this life? I've had so many people tell me that. Not possible, man. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the mistakes I've made. And I want to go, well, have you killed people? No. Huh. Did you drag people out of their home? No. You're trying to, to squash a whole faith movement? No. Paul did. He was a terrorist. And yet God says, I can use you. I'm going to call you by my grace. That means in spite of you. That means even though you're still a sinner, you're dead in your sins, in your transactions, a slave to sin, I'll call you by my grace and use you for my glory. Here's what the goal of your life is. It's to bring God glory. Some of you haven't figured that out and you're not living in your purpose and your life is not bringing glory to God. Your life is about you. It's because you're the hero, you're the main character. And until you realize, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I lay it down. 
I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm the supporting character, and praise God that he's found a place for me to serve, a purpose to walk out. Greatest thing you can do in your life. The greatest thing you can do with your life is to live in such a way that we bring God glory. I love this story. It gives me hope. I hope, I hope it does for you. No matter who we've been, no matter what we've done, it's probably not as bad as Paul. And look what God did with the Apostle Paul. Let's pray. Father, you're so kind. You're so loving. Lord, we are a sinful people. We are a, a wayward people. God, almost every chance we get, we begin to walk away from you. It's why we need your grace, Lord. It's why we need your mercy. Because even the Apostle Paul said, I, I, I try to do good and I, I can't seem to. The thing I want to do, I can't seem to do. And Lord, I, I've experienced that in my own life, God. We all have. And so, Lord Jesus, I'm thankful for this grace that you are helping us to understand through the book of Galatians. And this freedom that you're calling us to walk in. God, is there anybody here that doesn't know you? God, if there's one person here that doesn't know you, that they've never seen the revelation of Jesus, they've never been shown the beauty of his story, God, would you draw their hearts, Father God? You're the only one who can. Would you draw their hearts to you right now, Lord, and save them? Change their hearts, God. Give them a testimony to bring you glory. Help them to find out their purpose. Help them to walk in obedience. Help them to give you glory with all they are, with all they've been and all they're becoming. God, do it in me. Lord, we love you. What an immense privilege we have to worship you today. The truth is, God, that we've all been terrorists. We've all been breaking your law. We've all fallen short of your glory. And praise God, we get to tell this story of Jesus' redemption, his love on a cross, his blood shed for even people like us, even someone like the Apostle Paul. God, would you continue to move in our service? Help us to worship you in our hearts, our minds, as we tell this story through communion, as we worship you in song, and as we submit our hearts and lives to you in this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.